It's an amazing story. It's touched me in so many ways. This is such a young couple, but they display the most incredible faith and trust in God. Also made me think about their parents. They must have fulfilled what the Bible told them to do with their children. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 7, on the screen there, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Think about this verse and think about what kind of job you're doing with your family. Verse 5 says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's a deep verse. There's no gaps there at all for you to have an excuse. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk. Do you share what God is doing in your life? What God has called you to do? How you've seen God answer your prayers? That you've seen God alive in your life with those that you love, with your children? Are you reading the Word of God to them so that they know what the commands are? That one song says about the promises. Do you know God's promises? Because you need to know that to be able to have this trust, this faith to follow God. Joseph and Mary knew the Word of God, as we will see. This young couple started life together with a baby, and not just any baby. They were told this was the Messiah. This was going to save the nation of Israel. They were the only ones that believed it. And it struck me how Joseph had this unconditional love for Mary. Even though he encountered and experienced God in that dream, the angel telling him to take Mary as his wife. But how do you face the world with that? You believe it, Mary believes it, no one else does. They have a baby, the Messiah. But they have to face the world around them, the criticism, the mocking, the pointing of fingers, the doubt. Joseph's unconditional love for his wife. Mary's unconditional love for Joseph. Standing up being a man. Believing what she believed happened to her. Do we stand up and be strong? Their lives must have felt like it was falling apart at the seams. Just the two of them, young, innocent couple, have this huge burden. And no one will believe them. It also struck me they did everything together. Their knowledge of the word of God was exemplary. They revealed discipline and obedience to the word of God. They didn't rationalize things. They didn't find an excuse not to do what the commands of the Bible say. It also shows me they really loved each other. They were in this to finish what God had started. They trusted God and that God would control all things. That God would work it out. But still you have to face when they went to Bethlehem, that long journey. They must have believed that God would give them a place to have the Son of God. And they don't. They land up in a cave. Think about what went through their mind. Think about what God's asked you to do. I can see... Think about this clearly. As God's asked me to do certain things, it's impossible. It doesn't make any sense. If you share it with other people, they don't understand why you would even consider doing that. 
But you just know that it is God telling you to do this. But you do get to times where you're trying to rationalize this, trying to understand. Think about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem and she's saying, he's coming. That poor guy, can you imagine running around trying to figure out where to have this baby? And they have it in a cave. Let's look at verse 21 of chapter 2. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. We know by the story of Zacharias is there when John the Baptist was born and all the family gathered around Elizabeth and said, are you calling him Zacharias? And she said, no, I'm going to call him John. And they looked at Zacharias and he wrote on the tablet, John. He was no longer mute anymore. He could speak. But we learned in that culture and in that time, you were to call your firstborn son after your husband. So they stood out of context of their culture. Now we have Mary pregnant, telling people that it was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and now they're going to call him Jesus. They're out on their own again. But they're obedient. Circumcision, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 12, God said, And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. We see them being obedient to what God's word said. Right back in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God's word, right through there, is teaching people how to live with each other, how to do things, how to prepare yourself to live a godly and holy life. This circumcision instituted was for three purposes. First one, it had health benefits. It also was for the Abrahamic covenant. It was the mark of Israel's identity. It was an object lesson of the need for cleansing from depravity of sin as well. A physical symbol of the spiritual cleansing of the heart. Jesus was sinless but was born under the law and he came to fulfill the law. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of, adoptions of sons. At Jesus' circumcision, they named Him Jesus, just as they were told. The Greek equivalent in Hebrew is Joshua which means Yahweh saves. These names are incredible, aren't they? What a fitting name for the one who was born to save his people from their sins. And the key verse in Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what God came to do. And Jesus fulfills you when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit indwells you. So is God still on this quest to seek those which are lost? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, This is good and acceptable, acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is what God desires. So what part do we have in this? John 3.16, a verse that impacts the whole world in sport and everything. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What does eternal life mean to you? It impacted me when I did my first funeral. A really good friend of mine phoned me and said he'd been given three weeks to live. Would I do his funeral? I couldn't believe it. I watched this man slowly die. But he waited in silence. He waited for the Lord. He had no fear. He had no worry, no doubt where he was going. It made eternal life impact me even bigger. This man was excited to meet the Lord one day. So let's let's look at verses 22 to 24 in Luke. Follow along with me in the Bible. It says, And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Here we see Joseph and Mary, they know the law. They know what the word of God. And that, at that time, they have the Old Testament. They know God and what's written in that much of the Bible. They know what God has done to Israel. They know what God is capable of doing. They are spiritually disciplined to obey God. They don't want to upset God. Joseph and Mary, being obedient to the word of God, the law of Moses, like the circumcision, a woman's purification after childbirth illustrated the need for cleansing from sin. In, this is shown in Leviticus chapter 12, 1 through 5. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation. She, uh, she shall be unclean. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch anything consecrated nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her menstruation, as she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 66 days. They're following the Old Testament. They're following the law of Moses. They're being obedient, spiritually disciplined in the word of God. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. After Mary's purification were completed, she was again permitted to enter the temple. The couple did this together. In verse 22, you see, they brought him, that is Jesus. They did this together. Our marriages today, we need to look at doing things together. Not saying, I'm too busy at work. Maybe you should go do that. You're quite capable of doing it. They did this together. Doing things together is important. They brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And this was spoken of in Exodus chapter 13 verse 2. It says, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb. See, they're obedient to the word of God. They know it. 
They have a fear of the Lord. In reverence and in awe. The setting apart of the firstborn was not for priestly service. Because priests came from the tribe of the Levites. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. And so his dedication was to God. Joseph and Mary living out their spiritual life. And that happens only by knowing the word of God. God says believing it and having the discipline and the commitment to apply it to one's life. This will be possible. But without that discipline and commitment and applying it to your life, it's not going to be possible. The practice of spiritual discipline makes us more sensitive to the Lord. The more that you look into the Word of God and understand what He's saying, every circumstance you face, there'd be an answer in the Word of God for it. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, you need to look into the Word of God. And when you do that, you become very sensitive to the way He communicates with you. They both lead a discipline and spiritual life and something in our marriages we need today. Both of them obedient to what the Bible says. And I wonder if Joseph and Mary made the same decision as Joshua did. In chapter 24, verse 15, it says, Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 2014 is coming round the corner. What do you choose this year? It's a big choice because you have to know Him. You have to understand the way God works. What's His plan? What's His purpose? When I read that many years ago, our family decided to choose to serve the Lord. We have a plaque in our house that has that verse on it. And it's not without a struggle. It's not without a fight. In verse 24 it says, And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. In this picture here, you see Mary and Joseph in the temple, but look at Jerusalem in the background. And when I go to a city now after living in LaGrange, like Denver or something like that, it scares the daylights out of me. Going to New York or Chicago, it's frightening. You can get easily lost. Imagine this couple from Galilee, Nazareth, going to this place. It's phenomenal. They don't rationalize this by saying, who would know if we didn't go and make that sacrifice? What's the point of going all the way to Jerusalem and doing that? They don't even know who we are when we arrive at this temple. They sacrifice animals all the time there. How would they know? God knows. God knows your heart, knows your thoughts. This couple is living a spiritual disciplined life. We see how humble this couple is. They could not afford the one-year-old lamb. Mary had to offer the alternative, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Joseph and Mary were really poor in this. And it was also for me an indication that the wise men had not arrived yet because they did not have the gifts of the wise men to use to buy that one-year-old lamb. The sin offering is consistent with the reality that she was a sinner and needed a savior. All that we see Joseph and Mary doing, you cannot help 
but see that walking in discipline, they were blamelessly following the commandments of God. So when we're reading the Word of God, do we apply it to our lives or are we wanting to live this holy, pure life as this couple is leading us to look at? They're a good example for all of us to know the Word of God, to obey it, and to understand Jesus is the most indescribable gift to the world. Jesus is the Son of God. And we're going to be going through His journey in the Sundays to come. It would be wise for us to believe in Him, believe what the Word says. Look at the Scriptures and how He tells us how we should live our lives. To be like the wise men. Think about those wise men too. They believed what the prophets said. What was prophesied. We've already looked what was prophesied about Jesus' birth. And the people in the churches, in the synagogues at that time, did they believe it? Do you believe it? These men did, and they traveled a long distance following that star. They wanted to meet the Messiah that was promised and was fulfilled. Do you believe what the Word of God says? Think about this couple. Think about what they saw, where these wise men come. And the shepherds also believed what they heard and saw. It is the greatest gift of all. All you have to do is believe and receive this gift, the gift of eternal life. The new year is about to start, and I want to encourage you, challenge you, to begin 2014 reading the whole Bible. Start in Genesis. Get to know God personally. This is where you meet who God is, His character, His nature, what He's done, what He's going to do, what He's still going to do. Learn to unwrap this gift, the Bible. Learn to try and understand it. Because once you start and you make this discipline a commitment, the Holy Spirit is going to help you unwrap this gift. He is abiding in you. He is the one who is going to make these scriptures come alive. He is going to point out the purpose of your life. He's going to direct your path. But if you're not in the Word of God, how can He do it? And also by doing that, it leads you into prayer. You start to want to communicate to God. You start looking to understand what it's saying. So the Spirit of God leads you to prayer. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, 34 But seek first the kingdom of His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do we live a life like that? Is it possible? It is possible. Henry Nowen, a Roman Catholic priest, wrote this. Setting our hearts on something involves not only serious desire, but also determination. A spiritual life requires human effort. It's your choice. It's your decision to read the Word of God, to get to know Him personally. The forces of evil will keep you rationalizing this. It'll line you up with what other people are saying, what other people are doing. Like the word I've heard so many times since I've been here in America is legalism. Isn't that a bit legalistic to do that? You know, when that pops up, that person stops doing what he's doing. 
Think about the things that God requires us to do. We don't do anymore because of that word. Satan will be pulling you in different directions, pulling you back, telling you that God cannot do the impossible. Pulling you back to a life of worry, doubt, fear. This force is powerful. It's not easy to overcome. He'll tell you your marriage cannot be fixed. Where you're working, they won't listen to you. My kids won't change. This won't work. That won't work. That's not of God. What did we see in the verses with Mary? When Mary said, how is this possible? What did Gabriel say? For nothing will be impossible with God. Seek the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added to you. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. You have to stand firm. We can overcome. Because in John 16 Jesus says. These things I have spoken to you. So that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. It's a promise. Look at that. He's telling you, through him, you can overcome what you face. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Have you surrendered completely to God? Are you committed to your walk with him? Do you grasp what he did for you in Calvary? Joseph and Mary gave their heart completely to God and his purpose. If you allow yourself to look at the story past Jesus' birth to this couple and what they faced. And as we read on, you will see it is an amazing journey this couple have. They stood firm. They committed their heart to God. As we face another year, God wants to show you what he can do in you, for you, with you, and through you. The question is, will you let him? 2014 should be something you desire to see a complete change. The impossible becoming the possible. The miraculous coming through. Prayer being answered. I know some of you have been praying and we have seen some amazing prayers being answered. And in time, I'm sure those people will share those testimonies. You have to believe. Joseph and Mary believed. But they showed great respect for the Word of God if you really look at their commitment to following through the law of Moses. Nothing is more important than, the, than our concept of God. Think about this. What picture do you have in your mind of God? That will determine how you will approach Him in the time of need and every time. Nothing is more important than the concept of God. The picture you have of him in your mind will determine how you will approach him. They lived in the Old Testament. And those that have read the Old Testament, 
what kind of picture of God do you have in your mind? It won't be the same picture you have of God in the New Testament. But if you want to know God, you want that intimate and personal relationship, it's the same God. Jesus is the Son of God, the God-man. How well do you know him? This couple knew him and what he had done to Israel and the surrounding nations. That's the God they have in picture. That's why they don't rationalize whether they should go to church or not, go to the temple, whether they should fulfill these sacrifices. They have no chance. The picture of God they have in their mind is a reverence of God, an awe, a fear of God. The Bible is full of that. The Psalms say, fear the Lord your God. In a respectful fear. Max Lucado writes this, and I put this in because so many people I meet when I talk about God, they say, but isn't God a loving God, caring God? Yes, he is. Yes, he is, but he's an angry God too. And he has a purpose and a plan, and he wants to fulfill that. He is going to fulfill that, sorry. But look at Max Lucado in the book, In a Gentle Thunder. He writes, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If you had a wallet, your picture would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whether you want to, so whenever you want to talk, he will listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he chose your heart. And what about the Christmas gift he just sent you at Bethlehem? Not to mention that Friday at Calvary. Face it, he's crazy about you. He is. He's crazy about you and he is showing you here the impossible being possible. Don't you want to see him do the most amazing, through, amazing things through your life? Don't you want to be a part of praying for somebody's need and it coming through? I mentioned last week about that movie, The Nativity, and it's really good. I watched it again with Linda's parents and it struck me there and the Lord wouldn't let it go away. The more I prayed about it and thought about why would they put that scripture in? And in part of the film, Mary's helping sell some goat cheese and she comes to this lady who's teaching the children. And they're teaching from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9 through 12. And it's about Elijah the prophet, a zealous prophet for God. But he's, he's run away because Israel's walked away from God and they are now killing the prophets. They want Elijah's life too. But God instructs Elijah. He says to Elijah in verse 11, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rendering the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, listen to this, a sound of a gentle blowing, but the new King James gets it better. Listen to this. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And Avi says, came as a gentle whisper. So I know some of you ask when I say, when I, God spoke to me, what do you mean spoke to you? Look what it says here. And they had this in this movie twice. When Zacharias' son was born, he was sharing the same story to his baby boy, John. And I was wondering why God was making me think about this. It wouldn't go away. 
wanted me to share this with you because this is important. Do you hear that still small voice in your walk with God? What has God told you to do? What is he asking you to do or be a part of or get involved in? Make that call to do this or do that. That's just unbelievable. Where Proverbs chapter 5, 3, 5 and 6 comes through, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Because you will not understand what he's asking you to do, but you'll know that still small voice is asking you to do it. As believers today, we have the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The day you believed and accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, His Spirit is indwelling you. Not like at this time. The Holy Spirit came and went in these times. Now we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Are you listening to that still, small voice? Jesus is saying, follow me and we will change lives. It is your choice. It requires discipline, endurance, perseverance, and a desire to finish this race. It's not easy. And Mary and Joseph are showing this. They had a baby, the Messiah, in a cave. The spiritual life, require, spiritual life requires discipline because we need to learn to listen to God. You need to learn how that still small voice speaks to you. How do you discern between Wayne and God's voice? It took me years to think about that, trying to figure that out. How, I, how do I know it's you, Lord? Being in the Word. Our lives become a life that's indescribable, a journey that is just phenomenal. Developing this spiritual discipline is one of the most powerful disciplines in developing. Developing your relationship with God through the Word, and it will become part of prayer life for you too. It frees us from the slavery of this world because what God is sharing with you and talking to you and developing in you in the time that you give Him, this is the key. That's why it's called a discipline because you're going to have to give Him the time to be in the Word. In the Word, this, not the daily bread. Back into the Word. So many places I traveled and stayed in people's homes when they got up in the morning to have devotions. It was in the daily bread. It's okay. But that's not the Word of God. How do you hear that still, small voice? The temptations that surround us daily will begin to fight with us if we don't give God the time we should be giving Him. Could God have spoken to Elijah in the violent wind, the earthquake, the fire? Sure, He could. But He chose to speak in that still, small voice. How is God's voice coming through for you? certain part of my life, I was working for a construction company. I was the managing director of this company. And I got caught up in getting it out of debt and trying to figure out a paradigm of how to change its situation. And I prayed over and over, and the Lord put on my heart, why don't you introduce the cowboy log home with the porch, the rocking chair, the whole bank chute? I really sensed the Lord nudging me that way. I got on the Internet, and I looked for an American log company. And I found one in Tennessee, and I flew out there to learn how to build with American log. And in that process, I prayed on the plane, Lord, I'm going to be there quite a while. I'd love to meet some Christians, be able to go to church. And the Lord provided that. I arrived at this training college, and the guy sitting next to me, I asked him, we were in a night at Tennessee. I said, so what do you do on a Wednesday night? He says, well, let me think. Well, we have a Walmart, and that's open 24-7. I said, oh, 
no, you want to go there. He says, we have a Sonics. Oh, you don't have a car, so you can't go there. And he says, uh, well, that's, that's about, oh, we have a movie house, and it costs a dollar. And you get free popcorn, but I wouldn't eat the popcorn. It's probably been there months. And I said, oh, my. And then he, I said to him, so what do you do on a Wednesday? And he says, well, I preach at the church. And here was this guy in a logging kit and checkered shirt, rough, tough guy. I said, well, can I come with? He said, sure. So we went there and turned out that this would be the man that's going to help me teach the Irish workers how to build with American logs. So I signed up a business deal with two companies in the States, and we took it back to Ireland, and we're going to introduce it to England and France and all the places. And I was really busy. I had one of these things stuck in my ear that I could take all my phone calls. I was home, but I wasn't home. I'd sit in the car park for ages, taking calls, directing people's lives. And then out of the blue, when this couple came over to teach my staff how to build with American Log, Sunday morning they were living with us. We were getting ready for church. Everyone was kind of running late, and I was waiting. And then all of a sudden I got really tired. So I went back upstairs, and I lay on my bed. As I was lying there, shut my eyes, silence. And as I'm saying to you now, this is how it came to me, I want you to resign on Monday. I sat up, ooh, I'm really stressed, tired. I'm overworked. Goodness. I lay back down, and that still small voice said again, I want you to resign on Monday. Oh, I got up again. So I don't believe this. I've just got this company out of debt. I've got these people living with me. We're about to launch this new product. I must be exhausted. Went downstairs. Linda looked at me and said, you're looking pale. I said, yep. i got to go for a walk. Talk to God. So I went and I asked the Lord, I said, I hear you. I'll print out my resignation. I really need a bit of confirmation, though. On Monday morning when the chairman comes in and our accountant, you let them have a go at each other, really start arguing about nothing. I really need that because of the responsibility you've given me. We have 66 people around working. I have these people in my home. I've got just this all set up, and now you tell me to resign. Got in on Monday morning. I typed out my resignation, put it in my shirt pocket. These two came in my office. As I was pouring the coffee, they started to argue and fight. And I said, would you please stop? And I asked the accountant to step out and said to the chairman, I have to give you my resignation. Why? Because God's asked me to leave. I'll double your salary. I'll give you whatever you want. I said, no, this is what the Lord requires of me. Where are you going to go? I said, I have no idea. And normally, in the past, God, as I am obedient, the door opens. Very shortly after, someone arrives, offers me a new job, but nothing happened. I had to get a lift home. They took away my car. I got home and Linda said, where's your Mercedes? Well, I got something to tell you. Sit down. Lord asked me to resign today. Linda had just resigned from her job as well the week before. Like, are you crazy? Some people say I am, but I really believe God asked me to do that. And within a week, I saw why. My mom got diagnosed with colon cancer. And the doctor phoned and said, you three boys need to get down here to South Africa. This is a serious operation. She might not make it. So the, my brothers and I, we flew down there, and she got through the operation, and the doctors called us in, and he said, she cannot live on her own when she comes out. One of you has to stay. My two brothers had just started these franchises in the UK. They looked at me and said, well, you're unemployed and you're mom's favorite, so you stay. <laughs> so this is how the dots connect. 
but still struggling through it, as I'm sure Mary and Joseph were, trying to understand why, God. I'd go for a walk, waiting in between visiting times and sitting on the, on the rocks on the beach there, saying why to God. I don't understand. How am I going to provide for my wife, my family in Ireland? I've got no money now. I've got no job, nothing on the horizon. And I was still again. And that still small voice said to me, if I hadn't asked you to resign and this situation came up with your mom, as I'm saying it to you, would you have stayed? And the answer was, no. I was so caught up in this corporate business. I was so driven. I had lost my perspective. I had lost that ability to listen because I had that thing in my ear and phones and business meetings and this and that and that. My discipline, my commitment to God had dropped. I wasn't spending time with him. And I answered the question, no. I'd have probably argued with my brothers on, and then we would have discussed who had the biggest responsibility. And I am my mom's favorite. And she did want me there. And it worked out beautifully. God was enabled her to leave there and come and live in the UK next to my two brothers. I got back to Ireland and within a week someone knocked on the door and said, could you come and help us with, it, with our company problems and stuff? And walked straight into a job. What if I hadn't been obedient? But I don't use the what if because Moses used that in Exodus chapter 4 with God. He said to God, what if they won't listen or believe and do? Don't do that with God. Listen to that inner voice. How well do you know God that you can do that and hear him? This morning we are looking at some baptisms. In Acts chapter 22, says, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. It's a fantastic time to see this church. We have five baptisms here this morning. We're fulfilling what Matthew chapter 28, 19, 20 says. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, listen to this, all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with you. What he's asking you to surrender and get involved in, in his journey and his commitment, this discipline that you need, he is with you. This is what he wants to be a part of. So we're going to have this baptism that Pastor Jake is oh, in the water already. And uh, I'll hand that over to him. Thank you. <laughs>